What's up, everybody, and welcome back to After Dragons. This is episode 17 of our creator interview series, and we have an awesome episode planned for the day. We are joined by a legend in comics, the writer, editor, and creator, Fabian Nitzieza. He's worked on a ton of titles here since the late 80s with credits on X-Men, X-Force, Cable, Cable and Deadpool, New Warriors, uh, and many, many more, like The Gambit Ongoing. Uh, recently, he's written the Juggernaut miniseries from Marvel, as well as the first two issues of X-Men Legends uh, with Brett Booth on the art there. Excellent, excellent books there. Uh, we're here today, though, to dig into a new project coming from Fabian called Suburban Dicks. It's a, no a novel from Penguin Random House Publishing coming out here this June. Fabian, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Rob. It's good to be here. Definitely, yeah. Congrats on the upcoming novel as well. It's I know that's a uh, a big step uh, finding a home for the for the book and after having written it as well. Yeah, um, it, it's been a pretty fun couple of years for me. All all <laughs> pandemics notwithstanding, um, it, it, and and I got to be honest with you, I got pretty darn lucky because the finding a publisher proved to be tremendously easier and more fulfilling than I ever expected. It was the actual writing of the thing, having the confidence to do it um, and finding and thinking I was at a place where, where I could do it in a way that would satisfy me. That's what took a ridiculously long time. Mm, it had, um, being ready to dive into the novel itself or really, uh, really sit in the chair and pound out the words, huh? Yeah, the it, it was more than that. It was, I mean, it, it's interesting when 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 you're a freelance writer. You, you, there's things you want to do. There's things that you uh, want to do but don't think you can do, or you don't think have a landing place. Uh, and then there's paid work that's in front of you, and you're always always cycling for the next paying job. Um, a freelance writer's life, a freelance artist's life, really a free, any freelance life is is all about looking for the next job while you're in the middle of your current job. And that, that's, it's a, an indescribably unsatisfying way. It's live. kind of a, a cycle um, there, huh? treading water there. And then... Yeah, and, and, and writing a novel, a prose novel is, is, is tremendous amount of work and as I've gotten older, I've actually wanted to do less work, not more. Um, so, so I I always put it off for a lot of reasons. Um, the main one, though, frankly, was that I I didn't like anything I tried. Uh, I I'd written I tried to write prose before. I've written some short novella stuff uh, uh, that appeared online and things over the years. I, I was contracted to do a a, a Marvel novel. Uh, a Gambit novel back in the early aughts by uh, Byron Price Books, who at that time had the licensing deal with Marvel to do their prose novels. I like uh, it was almost almost 300 pages into the novel. Uh, it was going to be a pretty big book, and they were okay with that. Um, 300 pages into the novel, when the deal was killed, uh, Marvel killed the deal with Byron Price. So a whole bunch of books that were in progress were just basically killed. 
Oh man, just halted the momentum. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm I haven't looked at it in twenty something years. Um, I have it on a on a, on a plastic three M disc that oh, you put man. into your laptop size. That's how long ago it was. Um, <laughs> One of these I days, we'll have to that. free the gambit, the only... gambit rough draft. Yeah, it's the only place it exists. Is 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 the documents and the outlines and everything are are there. And I have not looked at that 3M disc because I no longer have a laptop to accommodate <laughs> that port. Um, to, even, to even read it. Yeah, but I don't, and I guarantee you, if I looked at it now, I would not like what I wrote. Um, and and as a result, I even tried this book. I tried to write Suburban Dicks a couple times over the last 20 something years, and, and I didn't get very far because I let myself get distracted or I let myself get convinced that it, that it wasn't good. Um, and maybe yeah, all of that, may, yeah, but yes, but but in a way, maybe there's a, almost like a subconscious thing happening. Maybe it needed to be written when I was ready and able to write it, also. You know what I mean? Right. Um, kind of the right uh, situation. I've had, yeah, I've had the book idea, the concept, the main characters, the story, everything I had for 25 years. I, I, I originally came up with all of this back in the mid 90s because um, oh. it, it was a reaction to, to stuff that was going on in my real life and I created a fictional revenge against a, <laughs> a, a public entity in my town that I couldn't defeat through regular administrative town council means you know uh, the, the um, creator's way out there just yeah exactly. <laughs> totally I can't, we lose in the town count it was a gun club I lived in a development in the early 90s it was new construction we moved in we knew there was a gun club on the other side of a pond behind our house, oh. um, but 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 we didn't know how loud it was going to be uh, when they did outdoor shooting, and we also didn't know that occasionally a bullet might lob their way towards you. You know, oh, um, wow. yeah. and and all of us who moved in there were basically sold a bit of a bill of goods by the developer, and and you'd already put your money down. The house was already built. Our house was three quarters of the way built before we even first heard the gun club doing outdoor shooting um and i remember to this day my wife and i standing on a dirt pile in what will be our backyard and that's the first time we heard somebody shooting outdoors usually they shoot they had an indoor pistol range and then an outdoor range for pistol shooting and rifle shooting i um, see and, and it was so loud it was ridiculous and my wife and i looked at each other and we we basically mouthed the words of the real estate agent when she said you will barely hear a thing you know <laughs> um, and and we ended up the neighborhood ended up trying to fight their outdoor shooting in the town council and we lost five to four to restrict their outdoor shooting most of the members of the club were not even re residents of the town we lived in uh oh, they were residents of neighboring towns so, and but they've been there for 50 years so they they had they had the old towny roots definitely uh, so so it, if you're going to think, and back then I thought, wouldn't it be great if something, if something turned up that, that their members had done something wrong and as a result of that exposure, it ruins them. It ruins the, you know, the, they're forced to, they're, they're forced to be ousted or shut down or, or restrict themselves. I created a fictional story to get they revenge. And dismantle the small town uh, power elite. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and over the course of time, it, it evolved, and it 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 just it, it just shifted a little bit away from that, and a little bit more towards the conspiracy of the crime that I invented that those I members see. had committed. 
So and it's awesome yeah, to hear the an, origin of it there coming from yeah, just yeah, a, a such a real evolution. scenario. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so I, I just in 2017, toward the end of 2017, I um I just felt like it, it was time to give it a try. Uh, I I'd seen I, I've already said in a couple interviews that the real reason for me to begin the work was not all that noble. Uh, it, it really was jealousy. Um, I, I, I saw that a several other writers uh, who had comic book roots had been selling novels and I really got mad at myself for not giving it a try. Ah, um, so seeing some others had made the jump. Yeah, Charles Sewell had, had, had sold uh, one or two books and, right. and, and the main one was Alex Segura who, who I knew um, from, when, from his time at DC Comics and he was the president of Archie Comics at that time. And, it's like I a see. five book, a mystery series called the Pete Fernandez Mysteries. It's like Miami noir mystery stuff, um, and, and more more private detective as much as mystery. And, and and I thought to myself, what the hell am I doing? If 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 any of these guys can do it, there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to do it too. Um, and, right, and a little bit of that the, competitive edge, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's always <laughs> been pretty immature fuel for me. That that you know that that sense of. I don't begrudge them their opportunities or their success, but I use it as anger fuel for myself. You know? Right. That hey, motivates hey. some of your own work, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. If they can do it, why can't I? I wrote NFL Super Pro. I should be allowed to write a book. Oh, um, man. And if I was saving NFL Super Pro for later, I, that's that's what I'm very happy to I own. I beat you to the punch. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so, so that's when I started doing it and, and the, 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 I had no real landing place. Um, when you're writing something on spec, you got to hope that at least you have a, a delivery drop for someone who may look at it, who might have the right connections to try to sell it, you know, or right. buy it. Kind of depends on the themes that you're writing or the subjects as well. And yeah, and I, 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 I had I had very outdated contacts in the publishing world because I had not worked in book publishing in, you know, since 1985. Uh, before I moved in, before I went to Marvel, I worked at Berkeley Button Publishing. Um, oh, okay. And, Even before starting with Marvel, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was my first job out of college. So I, um, I met an editor just by chance from from St. Martin's Press at, uh, at New York Comic Con in 2017, literally like the week I had started the outline on the novel. I had not even opened up the file because I looked back on the back dates and I did not open up the file to actually start the first page of writing until um, uh, later October, 2017. But New York Comic Con was the first week of October and uh, someone waited on my line I'm lucky enough at New York Comic Con to have, have a long line that goes real slow because I take a lot of time with everybody. Um, and I sell these prints where I actually do dead dialogue. So that always oh, takes, That's awesome. Original, I'm doing original dialogue in the print. <laughs> that always takes time. Oh, um, yeah. So this guy, this guy asks me if I know, uh, uh, he throws a name out at me because this is a coworker of his and this coworker claims to have played softball with me and worked with me at Berkeley Publishing and no one believed him who are who, who are now in positions of responsibility at the publishing company but used to be 10 year old kids reading X-Force you know what I mean <laughs> right so, so this so claim to fame was always guy 
and I said, yeah, of course I do. We're like, we're really good friends. We work together. We shared an office. We played softball. And the guy's like, oh, man, no one believed him. I was like, well, why wouldn't you believe him? Um, and, and, I asked, and I asked him, what do you do there? And he says, I'm an editor. I go, you're an editor at St. Mark's? He goes, yeah. I go, that's a coincidence. I just started breaking down a mystery novel. Uh, that I want to write. It's my first book. I'm going to try to, to write and finish. And he just said to me, here's my card. When you're done, I'd, I'd be happy to take a look at it. I said, seriously? He goes, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll be happy to take a look at it. I've been a fan of your writing and comics since I was 10 years old. I said, okay. So I even started the book with the idea that at the, at the worst, I had one person in publishing who is in a position of responsibility who will take a look at it. Um, but 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 when I started the, the the idea the real idea was that if I'm if I'm lucky I'll sell it to a, a paperback book publisher um, and, and it'll mm. sell for five grand because the paperback book publishers don't pay a lot for their, their right. books. pretty um, pretty small royalties on the on some of those yeah huh? yeah and I said and that was like that was the at the very least, I will sell it for five or ten grand, which in no way, shape, or form justifies even remotely the amount of time it's going to take to do it. Um, <laughs> but it would exist, but, right? It would be yeah, tangible. Yeah, but I had I had a couple good years, and uh, you know, freelance wise, and I wanted to take one to one year. I thought it would take about a year to write it and and and, and edit it, and, and I just thought I would take a year and and see if I could do it. And it wasn't even my only thing. It, it just you know, I was writing it a couple days a week, a little at a time. I was never fully, wholly devoted to it because I had, you know, I had paying work I had to do. My, my youngest right. was, uh, was still a junior in college at that point. So, you know, once you get older, you get past the mortgage, then you got to deal with college. And once you get past college, <laughs> then, then you get opportunities to breathe a little bit, you know. Um, but, but we were still in the college stage with, with you know, a consecutive run of two, two kids going to college. For right. So years, keep the you know? freelancing moving. Yeah. So you wrote you got, some yeah, other, gotta, other projects you, you, throughout, huh? Yeah. You got five, six buckets on the floor and it's got to catch dripping water every year. And you hope each bucket catches enough, you know? Um, and, 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 you know, one year, one bucket might have more water because I did more, you know, story world development work for Hollywood franchise. Another year, I could get an animation Bible, so that's a little more in that bucket than I normally would get. That kind of, you know, right? Um, kind of so, so, rotating. So, so the, there was the there was the paper there was the book bucket that had no water dripping in. <laughs> <laughs> it had been dry for um, a few years. Kick it over there under the under the leak, huh? Yeah, yeah, and, and I but it took me, um, it took me. I I finished the first draft I think in January of 2019. And, and the reason it took so long is because I had a lot of loss in my life, um, family-wise, in 2018. I, 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 I speak back on it jokingly now, but it wasn't as easy at the time. Um, I lost my mom and my dog and my dad in that order in a six-month span. Oh, buddy. Um, yeah, heart goes yeah, out so for that, man. If, what's fe February to October, whatever that span is, um, that, that's when I lost all three. Um, and and it, it felt like every single time I got over the hump and got got back into kind of a mental workflow, then some, you know, once somebody else, after I got over my mom, my dog decided to die. And after I got over my dog, which was not easy, quite honestly, because um, she was my assistant in the office and she did a lot of work. Um, then yeah, got then your main, your main coworker. Dog, 
yeah, my dad died. Who who was gonna do my accounting and my filing without my dad? <laughs> exactly. Um, so so oh, it just so took me a little while. Life but... life moments there. Yeah, and look, it's it's it it, it it's part and parcel of everyone's existence, and and sometimes sometimes readers have a a bit of a skewed view of of what you know what authors or artists are like or what they do on a daily basis it's to some people it's some some mystery or some you know some some brass ring achievement and but for those of us who do it uh, we're lucky enough to have had the opportunity to do it even luckier if you can make a living at it for sure um but it's still our daily job you know what i mean you still got to get up you got to you got to go through days where you're in the mood and you got to go through days where you're not that's very um, stoic of you to to point out kind of the uh, the unrelenting press there, kind of 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 the daily life, right? And how yeah. we're not we're not in control of that element, right? No, and the story I tell, the story I always tell at conventions, is try to put it in perspective for people, and it tends to work because it it changes the way they think about things sometimes. I went to the the original Deadpool movie screening in New York. It, it, the, the week it was being released, the movie, it was the first time I was going to meet Ryan Reynolds and all the actors and the writers and the director. And, yeah. and I'd never seen the movie yet. And we went to the screening. It was all great. Um, they, they, had, they had screwed up and not invited me to the after party. And they tried to rectify that then and there. But it was already 11 o'clock. And I live in Jersey, so I'm not going to go to some after party. Hours away. Home. My last train home is 1.40 in the morning. I'm not oh, man. Not, so I said, no, it's all right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Everybody have a good time. Bob. Literally, it was just a Bob. You know, and I left. And I walked to, to Penn Station where I catch my train to get it back to Jersey. And I got home. And my dog is all crazy excited. I'm home, of course. Everyone's asleep already. And I got to go take her for a walk because she needs to go out. So I take her for a quick walk. And she takes a dump. And I got to pick up her poop in the garbage bag and carry it back home. And I'm thinking to myself, an hour and a half ago, two hours ago, I was politely telling Ryan Reynolds, I'm not going to go to the after party. Thanks. Have a good time. And here I'm walking with a bag of poop. You know? And <laughs> yeah, that's okay. it. That, that's, you know, that, and, then, and then you go to bed and you wake up the next morning and you start your day all over again. You know, it's not, it, 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 it's, it's a wonderful opportunity to get to tell stories that I've had in my life but it, it you know if you read suburban dicks you will see the reality creeping its way through the the numbing mendacity of a suburban existence you know right and and, right. and that is that's the real life the writing stuff is almost a fiction you know it's almost a fake life yeah right um, but the reality of living living within the burbs or wherever folks are that day to day is the, is, is actual, actual reality. Is the actual thing. I, yeah. Can I do this interview on the porch? No, there's cicadas going nuts. Or, or <laughs> normally, can I do this interview on the porch? No, my neighbor's lawn service is mowing his lawn and the leaf blowers are going to start on his second and Then you can't hear yourself think, you know what I mean? Right. So, you know, I lived in a house that occasionally had bullets lobbed over onto my property. Oh, that's interesting, you know? <laughs> Look, I don't know. You know that might sound that's... fitting for the creator of Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> in that description. Um, yeah, so, so, 
you know, I, I finished the book. I hired an editor based on Alex uh, Segura's recommendation, a freelance editor, because I knew I needed to cut. And she gave me great feedback. Yes. Was that hard for, uh, or I guess before the cut, was it, was it fun for you to be able to elaborate so much with prose versus comic scripts where your real estate is more valuable with the words? Uh, yeah, you know, it, that's an interesting question, honestly, that works, that is, is almost better served for my writing of the second book, which I, I, I finished. I Let's... finished that's recently and 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 the reason why it's interesting is because i don't know that i really knew what the hell i was doing with the first book. i was just <laughs> writing and and i didn't know because i didn't have the experience of the amount of rewriting and cutting that goes into a, a prose novel um i knew i knew that experience for 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 television or film scripts or, or video game scripts i knew right. that experience from comic books, obviously, um, but I I had a finished manuscript that was 540 pages, which was about 140 or 150 pages more than it should be for the kind of book it was. Wow. And, yeah. and I also didn't realize until she pointed out the the use of words that aren't necessary and can be trimmed and cut, and the repetition of of information that your reader already knows, but you're writing to your characters. So, you know, for instance, the reader found out 30 pages ago about X and Y, and then 30 pages later is the first time these two characters are interacting about it. So one is telling the other about what they learned 30 pages ago. Right. Now that's new information for the character, but it's not new information for the reader. So you got to get rid of it. Or find a way to short. Ah, interesting. Short it that needs to be a summarized retelling for the characters. So. I got to tell you, Rob, I did that so much and so badly that I needed to get rid of it. And, it, ah. and I was able to get the book down from 540 to 440 just by doing that. Wow, <laughs> wow. Finding so, that one so that just, mechanic or that one kind of. That just shows structure. you a mechanical, like a technical thing about prose writing that I wasn't experienced with. So I wasn't thinking. I um, see. And even, even little things she, she gave me, like, don't use the word very, because the word very is completely unnecessary in prose. It, it, it is. It, you know, it doesn't have to be very something because it already is something. So then <laughs> right. you, do a, you do a word a word find and, and search on your manuscript, and you realize you <laughs> use the word very a hundred times in a 540 page book and you go oh that doesn't sound like a lot well get rid of those words if you get rid of all those words you cut out almost an entire page from your manuscript right? <laughs> so it, it, you know the word count and page count was really important because it, there's an expectation of what the readers for a certain kind of book are going to read, and and they want a, a book that is usually between 375 and 400 pages. So Sweet you gotta spot, get huh? your You got to get your word count to around that point because that's the expectation of the genre in the marketplace. So that's right. what publishers expect and that's what readers expect uh, for, for, a, for a mystery thriller novel. Um, right. Did you have to cut any anything that, you, that was harder for you from the, the plot or character-wise? 
Yeah, by the time we went from, uh, see, after I, after I did the rewrites to her edits, then I was ready to try to get an agent. And I'd met an agent, luckily, through some other business, and he really loved the idea of the book and would be willing to read the manuscript when it was done. And at that time, I was still doing the rewrites based on the editor I hired suggestions. So that was all done in August, and I delivered it to the agent, who was a publishing agent at UTA in New York. And he gave the manuscript to his team, and they all came back with notes. And they were good notes that were going to make it more sellable which was important to me because I am not so coy as to think I'm writing for an audience of one, you know? Um, <laughs> so you want, so, do you want so, to have that yeah, audience? <laughs> yeah, and that, and I also, that meant I had to cut from 440 pages to about 390 pages, um, which was starting to cut into bone. Um, mm -hmm. And I also changed uh, uh, some of the, some of the, um, some of the demographics of the, and cultural backgrounds of a couple of the characters um, in order to strengthen the actual themes that were already in the book. Um, and, and they, they were all notes that made, made it more sellable and made it, made it better. So I was okay with all of that. I have, I've had Very these cool. characters in my mind since 1995. <laughs> where we are now is a little bit different in what we want out of, out of our cast of characters. I already had a really diverse cast of characters, but it, it, it was reflect being all the themes of the book is really about white flight and white fear of change and suburbia, but it was being reflected by two Caucasian leads in the script. And even though they were uh, of an omnisciently snarky narrative voice, it was still two white Caucasian leads. So I see, I, right? I, I, I read, read reconfigured one of the leads the the reporter the male reporter and I made him asian nation it made him asian american it, it didn't it didn't change that much of who he was because he was born and raised in the town that he lives in that's all you know it's not like he immigrated from, from china or korea and at 15 years old i mean he, he grew right. up he was but born and raised in the town that he lives in so gives him that perspective or that a little bit of that difference yeah yeah it didn't change his personality it just changed some aspects of how he was going to react and interact with things. And it changed some of the dynamics of his family relationships with his mother. That right. Or how folks, how folks may react so, to him in the suburbs as well. Huh? Yeah. 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 And, but I live in an area, the book is set in the area I live in and the area I live in is like 65% Asian. So, you know, it, it's, it's predominantly Chinese, uh, Korean, uh, oh, Indian, Pakistani where I live. And, and that, immigration change or that demographic change has been an ongoing slow process over the last 30 years so when i had the right. original idea of the book the the themes were old town old town whiteies doing something bad but the the themes evolved over the course of those 25 years right that's a, to grow out a little bit how that how what they did that was so bad back then is reflected by how they feel now about all the changes that have occurred all over the country, you know? Definitely. Um, oh, yeah. And, and I've, I live in Las Vegas now, but I grew up in some small towns in Kansas. Uh, so I have seen, okay. I have seen the, uh, um, that kind of inner, inner city elite or small town elite, you know, with their, their granddads and their uncles all enmeshed in the politics and the organizations. It's a, yeah, yeah. Definitely and it's a interesting. Thing. I mean, because <laughs> my town had the, the, 
I told you earlier that we lost the town council vote five four about the outdoor shooting. Right. The guy who was the fifth vote was at that time the 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 speaker, the leader of the town council. He ended up running for mayor like a year or two later. He ended up being the town's mayor for like twenty years. He was Chinese American, right, um, or, or Korean American. So you know, it, it's fascinating that that you see the demographic shift almost happening as a result of the electoral process for for who's getting elected into office. You know? Right, helping with helping with the leader from the leadership uh, down, huh? Yeah, for the most part, any any Caucasian who ran for mayor in my town over the last twenty years has had a real tough time winning. They they win town council votes for for the council, but they have a tough time winning the mayorship because right. the the the, demo, the demographic percentage breakdowns are not in their favor. They have yeah. to get all of the Caucasian vote and then X percentage of the other vote in order to get to the point where they have enough to win the race, and they rarely can do that. You know. Um, because usually the Caucasian that's running is kind of on the Republican side. Yeah, they're pushing not for get a lot. All of the Caucasian vote if they're Republicans just because they're Caucasian. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, yeah. I'm far less likely to vote for a Caucasian Republican than, <laughs> than I am for a Martian cannibal Democrat. So, yeah, it's definitely um, been a, a, a shift and change in the uh, and the kind of the paradigm there, and it's it's good to see that reflected in the in the story, and kind of to hear how it wasn't a um, uh, you know a major th thing for the plot or for the story overall. It just helps to add that bit of realism, right, and kind of make the story yeah, connect it, with the it, current times. It, it, my my attitude and my approach to my writing has almost always been: my primary job is to entertain, and my secondary job is to try to get you to think about something. Um, and, and in much of the writing that I've done in comics, uh, it, I've, I've tried to stick with that. The, I don't want to be didactic and I don't want to be preaching and I don't craft my story around the message. I try to right. find the message to put in within the story, hmm. you know? So and, sometimes and, it's and, not, not actually yours from the outset. It kind of comes from the characters or the plots that you're yeah yeah and 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 you know this is this is a sarcastic suburban mystery it is i'm being asked by interviewers is it a comedy or is this a mystery and and i realized over the last month or so of answering these questions that that the irony is i don't think of it as either i think of it as a tragedy and the comedy and the mystery is just the comfortable blanket i give you to wrap you up so that you're protected Experience from the it, tragedy. Huh? Stay you nice know? and cozy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the tragedy in the first book to me is is our our ridiculous fear of change and our absurd notion that we are different people. You know, right. <laughs> the, right. that that's the tragedy, and it's a it's a tragedy of human society. It's a tragedy of the human race. That's um, a deep one so, to to dive into. And so doing it through the lens of a you know quirky uh, suburban you know mystery is definitely a unique unique way to do it, and and perhaps a yeah, an, art, an and, artful way, right? Because you can tread a little bit irreverently what to make your point. Um, you know, because of the story setting and kind of the kind of story that you're telling as well. I, I, um, I wouldn't have said this a year or two years ago, but I'll say it now. 
I did it, <laughs> and, and it was well received for how I did it. Um, ah. no, nobody who has read this book, from people at the agencies to people at the publishing companies to people in Hollywood to now reviewers and readers uh, who are getting early galleys of it, not a single person who has read it hasn't seen that and, and, and acknowledged it and had it be a part of the process that, they, that intrigued them. They were interested Excellent. that it was making social commentary within the context of its humor and its mystery. So right. I'm at the right. point now, two years into this whole thing, that I think I did what I wanted to do. And, and that, that's rare for me. <laughs> hey, takes, that's got to feel it good. Takes, it takes a lot to drag me into that place, you know, because <laughs> normally I, I don't feel I succeeded in what I wanted to do or how I wanted to do it. And, and hmm. often there's right. always someone out there willing to tell me I didn't succeed at doing it. <laughs> always the haters, huh? But uh, it, within so your own like, work, do you look back I, at, at most of your work with a more critical eye then? I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, uh, I, I, I think I look back at most of my work and feel that that I missed it by that much. Uh, sometimes it's, it's really cl close to the target and sometimes it's way off the target. And there's always a reason or an excuse. Sometimes they're valid reasons or excuses, and sometimes it's just my own insecurity creating a reason or an excuse. Right, um, but no, no reasons or excuses yet on this one, man. That's awesome to hear that. Uh, yeah, no, it's not the actually. No, there's not. It's going to be what it's going to be. I hope it sells. But the reviews that have been coming in already have been really, really positive um, from the big publications. I listened uh, to a little excerpt read by Natalie Nottis online and uh it, uh it it definitely had that humor element it was the, the where part... did you do that where'd you hear that i knew natalie was doing it her and i were in contact a little bit a few weeks ago i'll have to send you a link here send me the link because i want to hear her voice doing it because i loved her voice on all the different books she she definitely did a great job it was from the perspective of the gas station attendant talking about some of the wild uh things that's that they the have opening. seen right. yeah it's just the very chapter. early that's the very beginning of the book Basically get it, getting assaulted at gunpoint, spatula point, and uh, kind of just retelling his experience. And I think it, uh, it placed me back in that, that kind of role you work when you're 15 and you're just doing this like sundry job for society and trying to just observe and do what you can. I could feel it already. Uh, and uh, as they kind of uncovered the opening scene, I could see that, uh, that humor coming in as well with the cops sort of bumbling around and uh, uh, clearly not in a good place to figure out the mystery to come. Yeah, yeah, no good. I'm glad <laughs> those characters unfortunately appear at the beginning of the second book too. Oh, <laughs> to, nice. start that, to start that murder mystery. Hey, that's um, a good pattern to bring though. <laughs> and now yeah, for the listeners actually. If, if I get a third book, they'll be at the beginning of the third book too, I think. I don't know. I don't know exactly uh, how. Gonna have how to twist it on the third book. Before it becomes ridiculous. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure the third book might be the last one where I can get away with it. Um, yeah, let me. Or, uh, we'll see. I, I don't even know if there's going to be a third book at this point. So my brain is dreaming about what I want to do next, and, and there's no concrete, you know, uh, contract to, to, to do a, a third book. The contract for two, for two, and that's what I've delivered. 
I see. I see. I definitely want to hear a little bit about the second one. Uh, let me read the solicit for the first one for the listeners here. Um, Andy Stern thought she'd solved her final homicide. Once a budding FBI profiler, she gave up her career to raise her four, soon to be five children in West Windsor, New Jersey. But one day between soccer games, recitals and trips to the local pool, a very pregnant Andy pulls into a gas station and stumbles across a murder scene. An attendant has been killed and the bumbling local cops are in way over their heads. Suddenly Andy is obsessed with the case and back on the trail of a killer, this time with kids in tow. She soon crosses paths with disgraced local journalist, Kenneth Lee, who also has everything to prove in solving the case and a string of unusual occurrences and eventually body parts surface around town. Andy and Kenneth uncover simmering racial tension and decades old conspiracy. A hilarious, insightful, and a killer whodunit. Uh, that sounds awesome, man. I I think that kind of unlikely character, you know, with a background in the F, in FBI or in in working on homicides, just sort of, you know, going back and, and having the family as people do really uh, at times with their careers, but then diving back into it, <laughs> and uh, and with her kids, I'm sure, brings some unique scenarios from a writer's perspective as she's trying to yeah, solve and- things. At the time that I created the characters, it, it, it was part and parcel to my life. Um, I, I first had this idea when I was around 34 years old. All of my friends who had, were, had been married in the last five to eight years. All of us were starting to have children around the same exact time. Mm. A lot of the wives were were educated career professionals who were faced with the choice of giving up their careers in order to to be home to raise the kids um and And my wife included in that so a noble initiative i was surrounded by women who were faced with having to basically abandon budding and in many cases successful careers um you know, to, to be homemakers. And I combine that with my own place where I was getting towards the end of writing the X books and had had ridiculously unexpected success, both from a, from a, from the amount of work I was getting to the way it was selling and the amount of money I was. And it was all very fast, very unexpected. And my thinking was i'm 34 years old i was 15 i wanted to be a comic book writer i've already been a comic book writer now six seven years what else am i going to be what's the next the next life goal what am i going to do next what if there's nothing better than this um so what i wanted is two characters who are both faced with having been what they should have been and now facing a, a life where they were no longer that. So for her, for her, it was solving a, a, a serial killer murder case while she was in college. And before she had a chance to go to the FBI Academy, she found out she was pregnant. Oh man. The baby, she was getting pregnant. Um, so there's flaws in her character too, even, even for as smart as she is. And then for Kenny, he won a Pulitzer Prize when he was in, had just graduated college because the entire senior year of his work on the school newspaper was involved in a series of stories that brought down the administration of the New 
Jersey governor. So, uh, so he had kind of very early success as well in his, super in his early success. And now he's 29 years old and he's working for a weekly suburban newspaper. <laughs> so, <laughs> Man, so right back to that mundane life that you were explaining, huh? Kenny made a lot of mistakes in his 20s, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and Andy, Andy avoided a lot of life in her in her 20s, which was ironic because all she was doing was producing life, you know? She, one yeah. kid after another after another, and here she is with her fifth kid, and she's guaranteeing that it's the last kid she's ever going to have, and she said that since the first one, you know? Um, so so the, whole, the whole mystery... And they're reuniting because they knew each other when they were younger because Andy used to date Kenny's older brother. Um, so okay. Kenny was always infatuated with Andy when he was a little kid. Um, and when Andy's, after several years of going out, actually, they were one of the, you know, the, we all have those friends who had teen romances that went on far longer than anyone else's or anyone would have expected. Right. You know, like, right. so, so Andy and, 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 and Carrie, Kenny's older brother, they dated from like seventh grade to sophomore year in high school. Um, and, and so for Kenny, that was a foundational thing for him. It's really cool so smart and could solve mysteries. She always was able to find the missing cell phone. She always was able to, you know, mm. to, 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 to uncover something that someone was doing wrong. Um, so, so their reuniting gives them kind of each, it gives them individual and, and mutual goals that, this is their reclamation. Solving this solves the mystery of their own lives, the puzzle of their own lives, solves their own failures. Um, right, and give them a distraction that, from the from those failures a little bit too, so they yeah. can they could spend some time solving something instead, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so that that's kind of the that's kind of the the arc the characters are in that. You know, I and, and I always planned it as a series. I always wanted to tell more stories, and I knew that each each book each book is a different theme the, behind the mystery, but each book also advances the the status quo of their lives. Oh, so the second book here that you mentioned is uh, is going to continue the the story of Andy and Kenny. Yes, it's set about a, a little less than a year after the end of the first book. And, awesome. Okay. Uh, and I want, you know, I have, it's not like I'm 35 or 40 years old where I have a mystery series idea and I can write 26 novels, one a year. You know what I mean? I'm not of that age anymore. So I always had about five, six ideas uh, that I thought were really interesting stories with interesting thematic hooks to them uh, for these characters. I don't know that I have more than that. I may tell a concise, road. concise series, or just at least tell yeah, the stories yeah. that you have at the moment. Huh? Exactly, and if <laughs> I if I if I can do one in, well, roughly one a year, that carries me into my late sixties. How much longer am I going to keep doing this? Right? I don't know, you know. Um, so, so it's a really good way in my mind to to end the career, as it were. <laughs> I see. Um, kind of uh, co uh, spend some time on a larger writing projects and really that really focus on the writing as well, even to kind of act as a capstone or, if, uh, well, you know what, get, getting to me, the thought of getting to write, uh, five, six, eight books or whatever through my sixties into my early seventies, it is kind of a really, kind of a really nice app to the career. It's kind of a really nice way to, 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 you know, 
to think and, about everything and put all your get some insight and uh, yeah, a little bit I, of catharsis I, with, a, with all of I always yeah, wanted happening. to be a comic book writer and and I also wanted to be an author a book author but I always thought since I was 14 years old that you had to be older to be a book author because all the photos on the uh, pictures of the authors on the back covers of the books were they looked like old men they looked like they were at least 35 to 40 years right so <laughs> when i was so i always thought writing a book is is something i'll get to and then i never got to it so the fact yeah. that i'm getting to it in an odd way and my first book is coming out the year i'm turning 60 it changes your perspective and your dynamics on why you're doing it and what you want out of it you know what i mean mm, if i was right. 40 i would want a career writing books that will successfully pay me and entertain people over the next 30 years. Right, really try to churn out of a franchise yeah. almost or a, a long-standing series. I don't series. care about that now because I, I don't know that I'll be here in 30 years. So what a difference does it make? I just want to, I want to enjoy the work. I want to enjoy the process. And I ended up enjoying the second book so much more than the first book only because I was so much more comfortable with the process. I don't know that it's a better book. I don't, in fact, I don't think it is a better book necessarily. It's a different book. And I'm glad that I wrote it because I, I, I explored in other themes and, and, and also tried a few different keys on the piano. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. So, and I did that on purpose. And I, and I want to do that with every book I do because like I said, I don't need to worry about doing it, you know? Right. So kind of change it up and see what, what sticks or what kind of stories you can, you can tell there. Yeah, I guess, I guess maybe in a selfish way, indifferent to the reader's desires or expectations, <laughs> maybe, maybe the goal is for me to just get to play every key on the piano and some notes I'll hit right and some I won't, you know, but I'll at least have gotten to hit every note you know definitely um, that's a good way to put it it's like those and, closing and, solos of the grateful dead songs yeah <laughs> and, and so now though a lot of it's dependent on how this book sells um, because the publisher is not going to offer me a multi-book contract unless the book sells right and, right and, and and that's all up in the air right now because the book comes out in, in three weeks or some uh yeah, man, coming soon. It's gonna be. It'll. It's definitely be awesome to to get my hands on that and and give it a read. Are you planning to do any uh, any signings or uh, appearances there for the book on um, on your side well, of the country? I, because where we were when these things had to be set up is not necessarily where we are right now. Luckily, right. Uh, yeah, it does. Not set knock up on wood. Any, seems like things are getting yeah, a little looser and nicer. Yeah, they are. So we did not set up any law, any actual store appearances. I'm doing That's probably responsible. I'm doing three, three, I'm doing at least three virtual book store events. Uh, the oh. week the book comes out and Putnam has that up on their website. Hey, I like that better. Website. I can attend I'm have it. an author website <laughs> soon. Um, and my author website's going to launch probably either late this week or early next week. And I'll, I'll have those events posted on there eventually too. Um, I, I, I think the debut for me, uh, getting to sign actual copies of the book will probably be New York Comic Con because I am planning to go to New York Comic Con. Awesome. So I'll be in Artist Alley like I always am. They'll probably put me in the back corner of Artist Alley like they always do. 
that way, that way you can funnel folks down past everyone else. <laughs> well, yeah, they had they actually um, because I, I ever since Deadpool's popularity really increased and then the movie released to say the least, always, yeah, <laughs> they started to put me in the corners because my line and my line gets big and it's slowly moving and they can't put me in the middle because it ends up blocking either other tables or it ends up blocking aisles. Basically so halts the convention. Putting me in the back corner allows them to snake the unfortunate line into the nether regions of the hall. It's actually really sad. <laughs> one, one year, they changed it last time I went, but two years before that, they literally had the line snaking along a concrete wall with a curtain wall separator to the left. The oh, man. The cement wall was to the right of the poor people, and then and the, the curtain separator was to the left of the poor people, and they had to wait in that line for an hour and hour and hour. <laughs> it's, and the, it's the hallway to Deadpool. It is the hall, yeah, and I try, <laughs> I try really, really hard to make it, make it worth their while. I try to give everybody fair time and, and, and engagement because they deserve it, they, you know? Um, so, so I will be signing books at New York Comic Con, and it may it may may be the first time I do it, unless something awesome. else comes up that that sounds like a good thing to do. Um, looking right forward to these to conventions it. starting up again too, man. Did you have a little bit of a did, did you enjoy the the break there? Or are you looking forward to getting back in with you the fans and in with the society and community? I'd been plan. I was planning to do a a little bit less in 2020. Um, oh. So it kind I of fell in, had, fell in step a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I, I was doing 10 to 12 a year, which I guess is a little much. Um, and, yeah. and I was going to do about <laughs> eight a year. I was going to be, I was going to, I think I was, had scheduled to do about eight total in, in 2020. Um, and, and they all got canceled, obviously. I, in fact, right. uh, the shutdown happened here in Jersey. The weekend I flew home from Mexico City, where I went to La Mole convention. So that was the last kind of the last I one. And I, I, I literally got off the plane, took the train home, and that was it. It shut down. No, that was the the that's when it started for me. Um, so yeah, the truth is that that I miss them. I do miss them. I'm I'm kind of glad I got a little bit of a break, but it's been a longer break than I would. I, I like, I like seeing the people the fans i like seeing fellow professionals um i like traveling I, I i my wife doesn't come with me that often because she works um and it's got to be a place that really interests her she's not that interested in going to clarksville tennessee um but but i am i want to see clarksville tennessee you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah um, there's some got to be some unique places to check out there there's unique places to check out everywhere I mean, <laughs> i've been everywhere in the country and i've been really lucky to have been able to go pretty much everywhere in the country. Um, and it gives me a healthy perspective on a lot of the bullshit you hear through the media when you've actually had boots on the ground and you've seen people and talked to people from very different true. regions, you know? Right, and, right. And I just, I, I do like it. I like the, I like the community. I, and and um, I, if I go to conventions and five of them are familiar or aware of my book, you know, okay, my goal is to get 105 familiar with the book, you know? Um, I, I, I'm going to use Deadpool to sell my novel because my novel is far more of a priority to me and of interest to me than 30-year-old comics are. You know? Right. Understood. No, that's uh, 
And I mean, from the creator's perspective, you know, it's a, it's your current project, right? It's the, it's the iron in the fire at the moment and that, that deserves the attention. Yeah, I, I, I avoided conventions for a long time. And part of that is because I didn't think I had enough going on to go and promote. And, and uh, but I wasn't as interested in the nostalgia factor, not interested. There is definitely a lot uh, that is always available for you, uh, ha having been so pivotal with the X-Books and, and some of those characters like Cable and Domino, Deadpool. Uh, yeah, more, I, just, I found a way to balance it, I think. I found a way to balance my preference to their needs you know meaning the fans needs. right so you can't outright ignore some of the nostalgia but you can find the you know, comfort if a ten, if a guy if a guy comes up to you and says this 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 comic meant everything to them when they were 10 years old or 12 years old what are you going to deny you, you, how can you not respect that because it's coming from a true that's, place you know? right that's, it, it, it's the same way i feel when i'm talking to jim shooter or george perez uh, their avengers meant that to me when i was 12 14 15 years old you know chris and chris and john's x-men or chris and dave X-Men meant that right. to me when i was that age I'm, i i was at la malay like i said the last show i did and i'm having i'm having lunch with jim starlin and, and his friend jamie and and i'm and i'm thinking to myself if you had told me at 12 years old that I'd be having lunch casually with Jim Starlin and just shooting the breeze, you know, it's ridiculous, right? <laughs> so yeah, I, can, yeah. I can put that in perspective because I understand the source of those feelings, you know? Right. No You've kind of experienced comic. them from, from the fan side already. Yeah, no yeah. superhero comic means as much to us as those that we read roughly between the ages of 10, you know? They hit. Um, they just. And, uh, they stick, huh? In that formative yeah. years. And all of us were ten to fifteen years old, and if we were reading superhero comics, whatever they were at that time, those are the ones that matter the most to you. So you can't deny that. If someone's if someone's first year of X Force is the one that matters more to them, well, it doesn't matter as much to me creatively that you know, but I respect that it matters that much to you. You know, right. I'm not going to tell you that you your preference for X Force number four is <laughs> really stupid in comparison to my preference to Jim Starlin's Warlock. You know, that's that's kind of dumb. You know what I mean? So, right, diving you know, into the nuances there. Yeah, yeah. So let them, let them, let them, let them love what they love. You know, as long as it ain't hurting anyone, as long as it ain't propagating or promoting lies or 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 uh, or, or incorrect beliefs you know that then i'm fine yeah you know? there's so much out there too for folks to to love that you've uh, that you've worked on whether it be just whether, whether it be just the script or the the writing credits themselves on the book it's uh, it's wild to see your backlog man it's such a, a very successful career it is very human and and humble of you to express the uh kind of approach that you have and and your thoughts about you know being able to do the novel even after such a prolific career within comics it's a it's excellent to see that uh, that glimpse right of the creator kind of remove some of the the pedestal because so i think that if i would have thought to myself that i'd be you know talking with the, the creator of super pro you know a year <laughs> only a year after i found that super pro existed i, I would have it's been equally surprised it's yeah just, or even it's life altering i can tell <laughs> i know I'm waiting for I did volume not two. I super pro. I just came on to help write it. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm waiting for volume two I, with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I, I can't even. I wish I could. I, I can't even claim credit for the co-creation of the wonder, the splendor that is NFL Super. <laughs> I see. Yeah, the uh, it's it is definitely unreal, man. Though to after reading some of your books and seeing the style, I've tried my hand at, at writing some of the comic scripts and novels as well. So it's just to see to see the process working and the and the diligence uh, put in uh, and and paying out is is just excellent. And from a from an outsider's view, <laughs> I appreciate that. It's um it, yeah, it's weird when it's been what you wanted to do since you were a kid, and then it is what you do for a living, and then it becomes a job, and it's really business. To 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 just come full circle, the book the book became incredibly rewarding on a personal level, uh, and then became rewarding on a professional level afterwards. So I see. That's I, a great order feel, for it too, huh? Yeah, I felt, <laughs> I felt really good about just doing it finally, and then getting positive responses from professionals. Then, then almost the cherry on top. Yeah, then, then getting interest from both publishing and the TV side of it at the same exact time. Oh, then, that's awesome. Then, then it rewards it, it rewards what you what you put into it, and then ultimately it. it it makes the amount of time it took to get there even even I, like you cherish it even more. I appreciate I appreciate how long I didn't do it now just as much as I appreciate that I did. You know what I mean? Right. Um, that you had that, that think, time doing other things in life or having other experiences that contributed to the novel or put you in a better situation to kind of tell the story more accurately to how you kind of how you saw it huh? or how you see it within your head. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it um, it, it's been it's been a really cool ride. <laughs> you know, not not just the last few years. You look at it, and you go, okay, for all for many ups and downs, for many failures, for many unsuccessful ventures, for you know, you, you try. You're always trying something. If you're if you're like me, you're always looking for something new to do, something different to do, and, and oftentimes those don't work, but but you still get something out of it, and. Well, what you start to realize as you get older is if you've done it right, the failures teach you just as much as the successes do, and all of it starts to come together into a whole. So I don't separate the failures from the successes. You know, right. a virtual world startup that I was chief creative officer for three years is no less a valuable experience for me than selling six million copies of Xbox Number One. You know. Um, you know the, the the paychecks may vary, but <laughs> but the experiences you gain right. are all equal to each other, and and you know it's almost like barnacles on a boat. You got you know eventually <laughs> all those barnacles build on each other and <laughs> take over the boat. So all my barnacles have gotten to a good place right now. <laughs> yeah, you're churning out novels. <laughs> churning, <laughs> churning. Oh my God, it takes it's like one a year. It's like it's, that's a. It, that's some serious, serious writing there. Uh, did, maybe one more question for you on the writing side. Um, did, do you have to kind of force yourself or use willpower there to stay at the page? Or when you get into the writing kind of flow state, are you able to, to dig in there deeper? Um, yeah, I, um, I, 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 as far as the book writing is concerned, um, I, I am, 
I'm a picker and a pecker, I, uh, I think. A little I, bit I at a time, not, huh? I'm at the point now in my life and my at my age where I I don't have to be as beholden to a schedule the way I might have been when my kids were younger or whatever. Um, some I, some I, luxury there in the in the time that you have. Yeah, if I if I feel like writing at, at eight thirty in the morning, I'll write for an hour or half an hour. And then if I feel like going out for a walk, I'll go out for a walk and think stuff through. Then I'll pack again for another half hour, an hour. I could be writing at 10 o'clock at night, you know, or not. It really, it, it really is more of, um, I get into the flow in, in, in almost kind of increments. And, I see. And I don't force myself anymore to write. I used to force myself to write more. But when you kind have a wait for that, such, he, he, well, the forcing to write was almost always the byproduct of a deadline, you know, um, just needing and, to and produce before Friday or next month. That kind of exactly. Thing. And, and honestly, I, I think that it's to the detriment of the work because you're not, sometimes you're not in the mood. Sometimes the words aren't coming together. Sometimes you know, the, the, the pacing for a comic book or something, panel to panel and figuring out the flow of a scene and getting that scene to work in three-page increments. Sometimes it's not, you know, and yet right. the deadline forces you to have to do it. Um, the book deadline is so different and, and so almost nebulous that you, you, you don't feel any kind of pressure in that. So I was putting far more pressure on myself finished the second book last mm -hmm. year than then the editor was putting on me you know <laughs> because he knew the book wasn't going to be published till 2022 you know yeah <laughs> so he, he was you know relatively patient give or take a year or so well exactly <laughs> and, and and as a result it just it, it kind of changed the way that i needed to think or approach so um so i am much more likely now to write when i right give the story some breathing room to kind of grow and uh, expand there in your mind as well without being forced yeah. into the page so early and, and i don't know i don't know how other book writers write because i've never really interacted that much with book writers uh in my in my in my you know experiences um, right. and, but i i i outline the whole thing by chapter and my my act my three uh, three parts in a book and then the part breaks are your big big almost like your movie you know hook the, 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 the really twists or the main or a change of expectations points. or a change of status quo um and then i i do really loose little notes for each chapter so i realize now i gotta probably tighten that up <laughs> because in my second book I get to the chapter, the next chapter, and I wasn't a hundred percent sure where I was to where I ha I might know how I was going to begin, but I didn't know how I was going to end. I might know how I was going to end, but I didn't know how I was going to begin. You know? Oh, interesting. So, so maybe focusing on the like the beginning and the end then of those chapters within the outline. Yeah. It's a good so, so my attention. My chapter breaks became a really you know cheap excuse to to. Put on the headphones and go out for a walk you know so you go out for a three three to five mile walk and i'm, I'm thinking about where i'm at and then Just i pull it over and and i i start packing away if if i figured it out you know um and and it was just an interesting it, 
the book writing became far more revelatory within the process, you know? Oh, that works. Oh, that's a, oh, I, I wish I thought of that six months ago. That's an interesting, you know, that's a line of dialogue that creates the, the, the hook that the chapter is, is, is lynched off, you know? And, and I didn't have that line of dialogue yesterday. So it's so different than the comic book writing because it, it's so much more leisurely. It takes, it takes, it takes a pace and to find its place, you know? And right. comic book writing for me had always been more of a, a, a sausage factory, you know? A rinse and repeat or churn out the entertainment side of that yes. and knowing the characters both. already, that kind of thing. Yep, both. Rinse and repeat and churning. Yes. I and see. The, the, this, I was breaking so much stuff down by story synopsis back in the day, so my scenes were already laid out and I knew my, my rough page counts. Then it becomes plug, plug and play rather than right you know yeah. rather than than the, the the creation of the new as you're doing you know um that that often happened in the old marvel method that often happened when you got your art pages because we would do we would work plot first and then and then you get the pages and often you'd find something new or something interesting through the dialogue in those pages so for me the 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 spark of the spark of excitement almost always came when I was scripting the uh, the pages rather than when I was plotting. You right. Know? Um, with the book, it's 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 a combination of the two, and and it it, it takes its time to to, to discover. You know, um, so so you know it's interesting. I, I I I'm I'm really curious if I get a contract to do the third book. Uh, hey, <laughs> knock on wood, man. Yeah, yeah, because the third. The third book is 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 uh, it's a little more complicated in its structure in my mind. It's a little more complicated in its mystery because it's a double mystery. Uh, oh, it's again, what happened in the past and what's happening in the present. Um, ah, very cool. And, so and bouncing between the timelines a little bit more. I think so. Yeah, and and I had a I had a bunch of flashbacks in the second book, and I had to cut a lot of it out for space. And I knew I was going to have to because I knew my editor was less inclined to, <laughs> to want the flashbacks. Uh, so I purposefully figured, okay, that's going to give me 20 pages I can cut. Um, and, and, um, and yet I still want to explore that story material. I still want to explore the characters. Yeah, it's that whole kind of iceberg mentality where even if you're only showing the tip of the iceberg within the story as a creator, right, you have that whole chunk of ice beneath the surface with all that backstory and flashback yeah yeah <laughs> it's actually it's a great analogy because it, 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 it to me this is a story world that i've had in my brain for a very long time and getting to explore it i almost feel impatient to <laughs> explore more of it and and the irony is that in in, in books you have to be ridiculously patient you know it is <laughs> pokey compared to comics even if you know, even if I get to write a third book, I'm still not going to write it till the coming year and it still won't come out till 2023. So you're like, <laughs> you know, you, you bet. with comic books, it's like you, you have a chance three, four weeks later to, to, to get your last mistake out of the way. It's almost like a baseball season, you know? Um, you can, yeah, you've got so many games that, you know, you can have a bad you got, one Yeah, you got to have a short memory in, in comic books <laughs> and, and, and in books you have nothing but a long memory. I can only imagine if the reviews on this first book had been really bad. <laughs> yeah. 
how, how absurdly crushed I would be because of the amount of time you have to sit with it, you know? I won't, uh, yeah. I won't be getting reviews on the second book until like next, you know, May. And I'm like, oh, crap. Just waiting <laughs> um, in anxiety for that 10 months. Yeah, yeah. So if, I'm, I'm sitting here all smiley happy boy because the reviews have been so good on the first book, but I can only imagine if they'd been bad. I'd just be gnashing my teeth for a year. I oh, hope yeah. they like the second one better. Right. Oh, and yeah. after, from what I've seen, the reception has been very positive on the reviews and little excerpts so far so looking forward to, to yeah we got a, that. we got starred reviews from Turkus and publishers weekly which is really good to get uh we already got a mystery suspense magazine gave it gave it an a book list gave it an a i think so awesome. i'm super psyched i'm super psyched that the response is Man, well, uh, congratulations again on the successful first novel, the future second, and you know, here's to a third or a fourth, and you know, the and working as the capstone here for your writing career, man. I really Thank appreciate you. the I conversation. I really appreciate it, Rob. It's been a really good conversation. I really appreciate the time. Today. Yeah, I just want to thank you again for joining the show. And then, of course, thank you for your contribution to comics overall. I know you've you've touched so many stories and, and you know, added so much for characters and, you know, for everybody deep in the comic book world. I know that's uh, uh, just kind of unparalleled what you've done for some fans of that, uh, of that side of things. And it'll be great to see your perspective and insight, you know, with the long form and with the novel format, I feel we get to spend a little more time with you and, and your mind. <laughs> I appreciate it. And, and um, I, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that the book succeeds only because my real dream, Rob, is to direct. So I'm hoping. So I see one thing after everybody wants to, everybody wants to direct. <laughs> and that's um, one thing after the next. Huh? So maybe Suburban Dicks could have uh, some some silver screen ahead of it, huh? Yep. Uh, well, yeah, it's already been optioned for television. I just can't talk about the deal yet. I see. Um, wow, it, that's... It optioned. The TV stuff and the film stuff was happening at the same time. I mean, the TV stuff and the book stuff was happening at the same time because so cool. my agent sent it out to the TV reps in LA for UTA, and she loved the manuscript, and they internally really liked it, and she went out to sell it to producers before a publisher had even you know, committed to buying it. Um, hey. So, so we were negotiating the TV stuff because it takes so freaking long this TV contracts. Um, Always expanding, like you said, huh? Pretty much in 2020, yeah. And then the deal signed, they're looking for a showrunner now. Once the showrunner is higher, then they'll But it may be not even then because the platform it's intended to run on tends to not not make big announcements will sort of drop the show on you you didn't even know it's being paid oh interesting so yeah. i feel i gotta i gotta look into that contractually because i gotta see what my big mouth is allowed to say right that would definitely be a, uh, an excellent step from writing and telling so many stories to be able to work within the uh the movie or, or tv medium huh be able to really yeah. show yeah i, show I would like story. to write a tv script I, I would again more at my age not because it's my career but because i want the chance to get to do it i want to see what it's like i want to I, I i respect tv writing more than film writing i like being the idea of being a writer's room breaking episodes down for a season so i i would like i'd like a shot at writing a, a, a show you know I, I right even if i get to write one episode that might be enough for me just to be able to say i did it scratch that itch yeah 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 exactly 
Um, you yes. know, I, I chose never to go to LA in my life. I chose never to enter that rat race. I have plenty of friends who did, many of whom were successful doing it. Um, but but it was never quite. Although the although for me writing writing for a TV show and being a part of a writer's room, being a showrunner would have been probably the ultimate best job for me. Um, I don't regret not moving out there to do it because it's almost impossible to do it if you're not. You want to maintain a, a little bit normal life or family life with, with the towns and cities you're in. LA can yeah, be, yeah. Uh, my friends can be and chaos. My, family were here. my friends and family were here and doing that would have been doing it for me. And, and I honestly have kind of lived lived a life where I haven't done that. So maybe uh -huh. maybe if the book succeeds, maybe I'll have a chance to do that. I'll do that. Right. <laughs> uh, hoping you all, all of the success here going forward. And I'm not certain if I'll make it to New York Comic Con, but if I do, I'll definitely wait in the winding line and, uh, and introduce myself here. Rob, baby, you get to cut the line. You jump right in front. <laughs> hey, okay? everybody, you, you heard it here first. If you see me walking right. up, just know it's from I'm the guy from After Dragons. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> I let people cut in line all the time. What are the fans going to do? Revolt you? As far as I know, they're not going to track you down and kill you. <laughs> I'm oh, safe. I'm sitting behind the table. You're the one who's got to worry. <laughs> that's true. You're in the position of power here. You've got the Sharpie. Not so much power. I just have the table to, I can turn over to protect myself. <laughs> in instant shield in time of need. <laughs> I have, I have these autograph cards that if I, if I practice, I can fling them like Gambit throws playing cards. But they're lethal. They're deadly. <laughs> that is the, uh, that is the rendition of, of you that we need an artist to do now. There you go. Gambit-esque, tossing your... Storm, uh, the fans are storming the castle and I'm defending myself with watercolor cards. <laughs> I wish I lived in Texas where I could just bring a gun into a convention like a normal person. Yeah, right. normal. Yeah. All right, Rob, hey, I really man. appreciate it. Thank Definitely. you so much for the time. Of course, and outside of going online and pre-ordering Suburban Dicks here... Where else can folks find uh, you can some new catch me on Twitter at Fabian Niciesa. You can join a waiting list on Facebook because I've been too stupid to set up a fan page. But quite honestly, uh, very soon, uh, my author website's going to be up and that'll include uh, sign up for a newsletter and, and I'll be able to interact with people that way too. Uh, it'll be FabianNiciesa.com. So it'll be the most misspelled URL on the planet. Um, <laughs> and and uh, that website will have information about the book. It's going to have Excellent. a comic section that's going to expand little by little. Uh, introductory is just sort of a, a beta thing right now. Um, and it's got a pretty fun, complete bio of my, my career as well. Um, so that, that should be up. Actually, I'll announce it on Twitter when it's ready. But we're very close right now. So I think either by the end of this week or early next week, the office will be up. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll definitely check it out. I'm looking forward to see more down the line. I'll I'll definitely be diving into the book and we'll try to arrange a, a kind of post-read breakdown of Suburban Dicks here later this year. Appreciate it. It would be great and be my pleasure. Hey, awesome, man. Thank you so much again. And as always, folks, thank you for listening. You can find me on Twitter at AfterDragons underscore with the podcast reviews on AfterDragons.com and wherever podcasts are found. Thank you. 